Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Maureen, your Canva presentation looks brilliant. Thanks, Brett. That's because I used AI-powered Canva presentations. I just described what I wanted and Canva presentations generated the perfect slides. You can even make a talking presentation for people to watch on their own time. Check this out. Recording. 101 Reasons Why Beaches is the Saddest Film Ever Made by your neighbour Maureen. Is it easy to use? If you can use a computer, you can nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Oh, thanks, my neighbour Maureen. Yeah, thank you. Right, shush. Listen. Look out. Shush. Right. Oi. Listen. Right. You're about to hear the live show that happened as part of the Underbelly Festival in the Spiegel tent. It is edited because, you know, when you do a live show, there's a circle of trust with the audience. And I mean, stuff was said that can never be repeated or kept for prosperity. However, most of the episode is here, complete with the sound of a real audience who were there. I just want to say thank you to all the people that came. It was a sold out show in a Spiegel tent. It was amazing to do a live show with real human people there. And I hope you get a bit of the vibe from the recording. I will do more live shows in the future, but for now, I hope you enjoy this as much as we did. Sarah Kendall was amazing. We didn't get through all the questions in time because we were enjoying it too much, but you know what I mean, we did our best. Also, there's only a little bit extra in the Patreon today because there was no video of this episode. But what is there just for the Patreons at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein is the audience Q&A that we did at the end of the show, which was frankly phenomenal. And there was someone who very much was happy to pipe up about their troubling bonus, one of the highlights of the night. Anyway, if you want to check that out, go to patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. I hope you like it. Shh, here we go. I very much hope you enjoy this Films to be buried with, live, with Sarah Kendall. Look out! It's only films to be buried with! Hello, and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a pomegranate seed, and I love film. As Mark Twain once said, whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. For example, remember when Batman vs Superman, Dawn of Justice came out, and everyone was like, this is shit. But then you took a step back and looked at it from a big picture point of view and realised, hey, that Zack Snyder had in fact used big Hollywood money to make a German expressionistic film about how if only all people's mums had the same name, we could all just get along. And it's actually a kind of masterpiece. That. Wow. I can't believe the same guy who wrote Tom Sawyer also sees the many levels of Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Martha! Um... (laughs) Every week, I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Sharon Stone, January Jones, Lolly Adafope, and even Peddy Crambles himself. (laughs) I'm fucking connected, guys. Uh, I don't know, I just met him once and things happened. Anyway, uh, this week's episode comes live from the Underbelly Festival in this incredible Spiegel tent with this audience. It's good stuff. And tonight, my special guest is an award-winning comedian, a writer, a radio star, a TV star, an actor, a storyteller, a contributor, a motherlander, a showrunner, a human person, and most importantly of all, the owner of a giant gold statue of Greg Davies' head. Please welcome to the stage the tremendous, the hilarious, the profound, the musical, the legend, the taskmaster's choice, it's only Sarah Kendall! Nobody saw us touch. Nope. Uh, hello, Sarah. Hi, Brett. How are you? Very well. Thank you so much for doing the show. It's my pleasure. It's taken you a while to invite me on. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> we, had a, we had a pandemic, didn't we? We did. 
And, and I think you did actually you did try to get me before the pen. Well, no, we we were meant to do it yeah, before we the pandemic, were. and it fell apart. Before. So you've had a long time to think. Yeah. Um, okay. So Sarah, you have been um, doing very well. Yeah, I've been smashing it. You've yeah. Been absolutely yeah. smashed. You made a show called Freight. Has, uh, yeah. has anyone seen Freight? Oh my god! I just assume no one's seen it. And that wasn't many people, and I was still over the moon. I was like seven people. I'm like, guys! Oh my god! Right, you have to watch this show because it's fucking brilliant, and it's set in Australia. Yep. And it is so specific. Yeah. If I may say. Yeah. It's very, very specific. Mm. It's a very. Unique I don't do tone. broad comedy. It's not broad, guys. No, it's not. I'm not into it. It's don't super need it. specific. Yeah. But it's what I did want to know is yeah. it's about where you're from, right? Yes. It's set where you're from. Yeah. And it ain't particularly glowing. No. About where you're from. No. And I wondered what the people of where you're from have made of your show where they you're basically like said. They don't like it. They don't like it. And when we're filming, cause, uh, the prob- because it's set in the 1980s, where I grew up has become quite gentrified now. So we can't really film a lot of stuff there because it looks too nice now. Because in the 80s it was a shit pit. But now, you know, like it, it's doing quite well. So we have, to, we have to find like the shitty places to go and film. And when we do go there to film, people tell us to get fucked. <laughs> Like, you know, like when you have to close off a road for a scene or something, people will just be on the outside of frame calling us cunts. Like, it's just, they really don't like us, yeah. So you were Which right. feels quite right because yeah. I, I present it as a, as a town that's a bit shit. And yeah. then when we're filming, we actually have people in the background telling us to get fucked. I'm like, this is very on brand. You absolutely yeah. nailed it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, one thing I did want to ask as well, right, if you've not watched it, it's six hours the first season. And this person here, wrote it all on her own, which as someone who has written but has written stuff with ten other people... Yeah. But I think that that would be... I would find that harder. Go on. Well, no, I I just... I I feel like I know exactly what I want it to look like, whereas if I was working with other people, I'd have to manage those relationships and the amount of trust that it takes to kind of... I I was saying that recently I, I, I was talking to Sharon Horgan about the same thing about how I feel like uh, every decision that you make when you're writing a script, everything's up for grabs. Literally anything can happen in in the story. You're thinking it up as you go. And I'm quite... I kind of feel like another person could argue me around quite easily. Because I do. It's just a debatable point. No matter how hard you dig in on your idea, I'm never completely sure that my idea is the right idea. But what I don't want to do is make someone else's mistake. Yes. That's my, my fear is that I would go, yeah, actually, you're quite right and get persuaded. Not that my idea was great, but if your idea is not the right one, yeah. I don't want to make your mistake. That's, that's kind of my... So your secret is lock the door and then you get your idea in. Jar your own kiss, grow that. your toenails. Yeah, really. <laughs> all love, of that. All of I love that, yeah. that very much. Yeah, I, I thought, you thought you'd like that. <laughs> uh, what about uh, Taskmaster? Did you watch Taskmaster? Yeah. Yeah. Shiny wonderfucker. Yeah. Uh, how was that? At first it was fun and then I started to take it very seriously. <laughs> it's like a, a really strange psychological experiment that you start to care. Yeah. Like you actually start to care about whether you can eat 3,000 poppadoms and say metronome <laughs> after each poppadom. You go, I really want to do this. Whereas at the beginning of you, <laughs> that'll be so stupid. But then halfway through you're like, not only do I want to do it well, I want to beat the other four people. Yeah. So it, it's, it, it, I feel like it's very true of life that whatever the goalposts are, you suddenly just start wanting it. Yeah, and I, I really didn't care at first and then I really cared. So much so that I felt like I was like psyching myself up before tasks. I'd be wandering and going, come on, you can do this. <laughs> it's utterly joyless. Oh, great. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's how it's I do everything. I care too much and wreck any enjoyment I could possibly have. Yeah. It's a fucked way to live. I'm not going to lie. Is that how you do relationships? Yep. <laughs> it's very relatable. That's how I do everything. Um, I care too much and then, yeah, because there's I that thing. I care too much and I break you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the thing that you learn yeah. with stand-up is the only way to really get good at stand-up is to do it so much that you don't give a fuck. Yeah, and it's a lie. It's a lie. It's hard and you've yeah. got to do so much of it before you get to the point where you walk out and you go, I just don't care. Yeah. That's the only way you can be a good stand-up. It's true. It's true of life too. You've got to get to that point. It's really hard to get to that point. It is hard when you're in a relationship to nail that relationship by going up to the person and going, I don't care. I don't care. care. I don't care. <laughs> fuck. Just so you know, yes, you can move in, but I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's what a, I need. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's my secret. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, shit. What? What's happened? What? Oh, no. We... 
Oh, shit, the bed. What? I've what? made a terrible error. You've printed out the wrong No, thing. no, no, it's all there. I just, I probably printed it in the wrong order. I should have told you this up top. It doesn't matter. I've it's forgotten like... to tell you something. Uh, I feel like an absolute <laughs> dick. I'm going to look bad just bringing this on you, but what? fuck. I, uh, you, I'll just say it. You've died, you're dead. Okay. Okay. <laughs> How did you die? What was your death? Um, <laughs> That's the look of someone who didn't realise the format. <laughs> you had the same look that taxi driver had on the BBC News when he realised... <gasps> yes, I am dead. <laughs> uh, how did I die? Yeah, it's up to you. It's, um, it could be nice. I reckon uh, it's going to be... Uh, it'll be a, stu- it's a stupid death. Mm-hmm. It'll be a stupid death. Okay. The only reason I say this, because uh, this isn't uh, the reason why it's a really good question, is because it really it really makes you think about how you feel about death, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Because you kind of think the way I die has got to be reflective of the way I've lived in some way. Can be. So I think I'll die being really, really careful, but still dying even though I'm being <laughs> super careful. <laughs> I like that. So it'll be like, I will have checked, like, it'll be like an abseiling incident. I don't abseil, but I'll be the one person on the one abseil. The one time I abseil mm-hmm. and I triple check the equipment, but one of the caribou locks I didn't check or something, that'll be the way I'm taken out. It'll be like a one in a million thing where I was very careful and I went, okay, I'll do it, but we're just going to make sure it's safe and then I'll still die. So you fell off a wall. Probably, yeah. It'll be something like that. Yeah. <laughs> And it'll be just at the point I'm starting to enjoy the activity. <sighs> so I'll be not enjoying going, this is shit, I wish I'd yeah. never come here. This is dumb. Who wants to, oh, rock climbing's dumb. And then I'll start going, actually, this is not bad. This is actually okay. And then something will happen with the equipment. And then I'll be, you know. Instant death? I hope so, but uh, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> probably like a lot of just bleeding out on the, on the cliff. Floor. Look, it could, be, it could be weeks in hospital. It right. could be weeks in hospital where. I, I rally for a bit, yep. you know, like you rally yeah, yeah. and everyone's like, she's going to make it through. Yeah. She's going to make it. I was on that text chain. That's we were, right. Yeah. yeah. I always said Sarah was a yeah, fighter. Yeah, There'll a be fight. that kind of... She pretends, she pretends not to care, but she does. She does. Yeah. And then something else. It'll be like a secondary infection to the primary, <laughs> the primary site. MRSA. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'll get yeah. golden staff. Like, so yeah. I will have recovered yeah. from the majority of the injuries that I incurred and then I'll get golden yeah. staff in, and it'll be like, oh, yeah. this... Uh, and then... Because my mother... <laughs> May I just say, what I love at this point is the people who don't know the podcast who are like, what the fuck is this show? <laughs> <laughs> this fascinates me, though, because I... Uh, my is. mother... Um, I, I was raised by a mother who basically... Uh, death is everywhere. You've got to be very, very careful. Death is everywhere. Like, my mum's favourite stories are about moles that didn't get checked or someone who thought it was just a headache, but it wasn't. Like, that's her favourite genre of anecdote. And I've been... I've been raised with... Do you know, she texted me the other day. There was that awful uh, collapse of the building in Miami. And my mum... She rang and she said, I've been thinking about this and I don't think that you should go into new build high-rises. They've built too many of them too quickly. Mm -hmm. And I was like, so what buildings do you think I should go into? (laughs) And she said, I just, I don't know, just nothing, nothing after the 1980s. I said, but why the 1980s? She said, well, there was a time of excess and things were just built too fast. But that's the way she lives. She tries to gather the data. What can I learn from this? She texted me this story about a guy in Turkey who fell into a vat of chicken soup. He was trying to prepare it for a wedding. That's a great death. Right. That's a good death. So she said, you know, man died falling into a vat of chicken soup, preparing for a wedding, and then Mm. she ended the text message with, it really makes you think. (laughs) But what does it make you think? What? Don't go to Turkey. Don't go to weddings. Don't cook chicken soup. What do I glean from this so that I don't die the same way? Yeah. I'll be honest, I will be thinking about that for a long time. (laughs) She's not wrong. imagine Imagine that guy's day. Imagine you, like, it. tasting it. Oh, it's yeah. good, she oh, it's good. And a bit more spice. Just, you know, you're getting, thinking about it. Everyone's going to love my chickens. Fucking falling this in and dying. This is his wedding. No, no, I don't think. I don't know. Mum would have included that. She would have loved yeah. that detail. If it was his wedding, oh, fuck, she would have. Oh, yeah. that's, that's, that's really, that's. That's the problem, because you have to announce that to the guests. Like, I'm so, so like, on the, it's difficult. Please don't laugh. Yeah. It's difficult. He's, yeah. the groom's yeah. dead. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. He fell into chicken soup. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. If yeah. no one was surprised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like the sort of thing you'd do. Seems it's vibe. Yeah. Uh, do you worry about death all the time? Mm. I think about it nonstop. Uh, I'm so worried about it. Okay. And the older I get, the more I worry about it. You know, I'm 45 now, and this is the age where shit starts going wrong with people. You go, oh, do you hear about blah, blah? Mm. No, what? I'm just hearing more of those stories. I'm like, mm. my number's going to be up soon. Can't bear it. Sorry. Welcome to the show. <laughs> uh, welcome. So, uh, what do you think happens when you die, though? Afterlife for you? Sadly, no, I don't think Not for so. You. No, I don't. I mean, and that would yeah. sweeten the pill, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's the whole fucking point. Yeah. Is to go, well, I led a good life and I'll mm. see all those people that I love, but who are we kidding? Yeah. The chances of that being true are statistically just, you know. Because of Negli- all the, neg- negligible. the terrible uh, things you don't. Famously not a racist, but all the, t- uh, the <laughs> terrible things you don't, you think? Or you no. just think there's nothing? Oh, no, I, I just... You're not going to the bad place? You're not going anywhere? Well, I don't know. I don't know. But I feel it's unlikely. Hmm. It feels unlikely to me. Like not... I, but I think that's sort of, you know, like the magic of here and now is that it, it you know, you have, to, you have to absolutely... I mean, even though I don't live in the present and I wreck it constantly by worrying, yeah. but you should try to live in the present and enjoy this on the understanding that it's probably all there is. You know, yeah. the, the afterlife thing. It's a nice idea, but I doubt it. Who ever told you my theory that enlightenment is fucking boring? <laughs> Who ever yeah. told you that? Oh, it's a pile of shit. I do find... Uh, I told you earlier I've been, I've been doing karate. I do find karate is a really good way yeah. to get mindful because all you can think about is either not getting hit yeah. or hitting. And it's a simplicity to that yeah. where you're going, I'm just going to try to block this person's hits and I'm just going to try to hit them. That's the most mindful I can get. So your meditation is kicking the shit out of someone. Or trying to or stop game. them kicking the shit out of me, to block as much of their uh, yeah. as I can. But that's actually made me very calm. I find that like a really kind of calm, calm state to be in. I took on I this 14-year-old because there's this kid in our... <laughs> did, 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 did you win? No, he was a uh, okay. fucking animal. Oh. He was unbelievable. So, I mean, in my class, I'm going for my first belt in a couple of weeks. And I was with, like, it's really, like, you want to get a, it's like Taskmaster. Yeah. Now I want a belt. You know, because, like, the belts all go into different sections of the class. And I was with, like, the white belts and the no belts and the red belts. And the red belts are still pretty good. But I was with this 14-year-old kid and he had his boxing gloves on and he went fucking ballistic on me. Like, he was punching and hitting so hard and just went for it. And I, th- I was so angry at him. And I was, like, blocking as much of a, as I could. And then I started hitting him back because I was, like, fucking annoyed. But then I suddenly realised that I was the happiest I'd been for weeks. <laughs> I was like, I'm not worrying about death. Yeah. For the first time, like, all I'd been thinking about was, like, how worried I am about dying. And it absolutely took my mind off it. So enlightenment for you is kicking the shit out of a 14-year-old boy? Well, if he's hitting me, no, yes. I'm not judging. And he was I'm showing off to the sensei. Me. Like, he kept on punching and then looking over to see if the sensei was watching. I was like, I know what you're doing. You're trying to impress the sensei. Yeah. And it felt so good when I, when I hit him and he went, ow! And I was like... <laughs> well, I got good news. Yep. There is a heaven. Good. You're scraping in because <laughs> of all the violence to children you showed <laughs> yeah. and called enlightenment. And in this heaven, it's great. It's filled with your favourite thing. What's your favourite thing? Movies. Okay. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How am I doing? You're catching up. Yeah. Uh, uh, you're doing uh, so far ten points um, in this heaven. You're very welcome. Everyone's a big fan. They're delighted to see you. But they want to talk about your life mm. through the medium of film. Okay. And the first thing they ask is, "What's the first film you remember seeing?" What did I answer? So, <laughs> just to be clear, I didn't give her the answers. But she sent me answers ages ago and then told me today that she'd forgotten them. So I will be playing the part this, of Sarah. Yeah, it was six weeks ago, you said to be jo- fair. You said, you said Jaws. I said Jaws. And I'm pretty sure that I qualified that saying that cannot be... Like, that's the first cinematic experience that I remember. I don't think it was my first okay. movie, but that's the one that feels the most vivid in my memories. Where were you? I can't answer that. Okay. I don't um, know. I genuinely oh right. don't know. Sorry, I genuinely I don't know. Like... <laughs> so, no, I can't protection. tell you. It was an undisclosed location. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I worked for Mossad okay. briefly in the, sure, uh, sure. in the late 70s. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, but... and you had a little break. Uh, popped to cinema. <laughs> <laughs> I did. They said, take the afternoon off, Sarah. Yeah. 
And I was like, are you guys sure? And you, they were like, they were like you're totally. a big killer there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're very happy with your work. Yeah. Go and catch a movie. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to go and see a Spielberg movie because I was in Mossad. And nice, I'm going nice. to go and see a Spielberg movie. Nice. And they were like... <laughs> That's how it went. So you went to a cinema yeah. with your family on your right? It couldn't have been a cinema because okay. it was like... It, it just came out in 1977, so it couldn't possibly have been a cinema. I was mm. born in 1976. So it must have been on video or on the television in the 80s, I think. And you loved it? I did. I loved it. Because where I grew up, like I grew up right next to the, to the beach. There was mm-hmm. a lot of swimming. We, we were always swimming in the surf. We did a thing in Australia called Little Nippers. And Little Nippers is every Sunday morning we'd go and do surf lifesaving down at the beach. And you'd, you Life-saving wet. surfers? Surf lifesaving. <laughs> You're saving the lives of specifically surf. surfers. Anyone else? No, you're life-saving in the surf. In the surf, okay. Yeah. You're saving people from the surf. Right. Stop surfing. Yeah. I mean, that's the obvious thing to do is to not swim in the ocean. Right, right, right. But uh, people love swimming in the ocean. Yeah, they travel it. for hours to swim in the ocean. Yeah. So it really sort of resonated with me just because of the lifestyle that I had, which was yeah. very beach-orientated. Uh, and there was a story about an a enormous shark that um, couldn't really be stopped. So I, I it just in terms of my imagination yeah. and how it affected me, and I was so frightened that uh, we had a, a, a pool. Even when I was in the pool, I would be kind of afraid that a, when I go to the deep end that a shark, like it doesn't make any sense, and I knew it didn't make any sense, but that really iconic sort of, you know, the, the yeah. legs kicking around and the POV of, of the, the shark, like that was such a clever psychological... I used to think they could come up the drain. Yeah, I mean, there's also the thing that your brain can yeah. sort of trick you into being into danger that isn't there. I've seen no evidence they can't. <laughs> that a shark can't get through can't a pool filtration system. I've never seen one try. I could give you so. that evidence. Okay. <laughs> With a pen and paper. What is the film that scared you the most? What did I answer? You answered. (laughs) Fatal Attraction. Oh, yeah, Fatal Attraction. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen it? I I did. I went... (laughs) Okay, so my dad went Mm. away on business, so my mum took me to go and see Fatal Attraction. How old were you? Well, I want to say ballpark 12. I, I think I was about 12. I think it was about 1988. I think that feels about right. Lovely. That feels about maybe 11 or 12. So Dad's away on business and Mum and I go and see this, this movie uh, about, you know, we all know the story of Fatal Attraction. And uh, I, I felt so angry and betrayed. Like I thought, oh, Dad's doing that. Dad's probably <laughs> off... This is why she's showing me this. That's why she's showing you. This is is like a little trail of crumbs to the truth. I thought, Dad's probably doing it with another woman. She's probably a psychopath. (laughs) She's probably going to fucking come and kill us all. Yeah. Uh, So, I I mean, the whole thing was so... um, But interestingly, uh, what I love about this, there Mm -hmm. was a a thing, I think it was either a Hollywood reporter or Vanity Fair or or someone, got famous screen couples together together. Uh, I saw this. Did you? Did yeah. you see the Michael Douglas yeah, Glenn Close? Yeah. How fucking interesting was so that? So interesting. And how she... Get that uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll just get your phones out and watch it. And we'll, we'll watch you watch it and watch you be fascinated. No, go on, go on. It is, inter- it is actually really interesting. It's really interesting because they... Uh, she, for a start, got quite frustrated with how her character became a psychopath. She felt that when they were, you know, when she'd auditioned for it and when they were making it, that the whole point is if she is a psychopath, the story has no resonance because then she's just this mad lady acting without any reason. And it sort of diminishes her. Like, that's sort Mm. of one of those things with script writing is that if your character is mad, then the story doesn't have a logic to it. And she was saying that kind of made my character less important because then she was just acting as a psychopath, not the things that were happening to her logically in the story. And if I remember correctly, the way the film had ended was that she kills the family and pins it on Michael Douglas. No, the original ending. You all know the current ending, Fatal Attraction, right? She gets gets shot in the bath. It's an old film, I'm so sorry. I should have said no spoilers. Spoilers, fuck it. She gets shown above. The original ending of Fatal Attraction, which is so dark and so much better, yeah. is she c- cuts her own throat in her bedroom yeah. with a knife, but with a knife that has his fingerprints on it. And we've already so had that scene. So at the end, yeah. he gets picked up by the police. Yeah, and done for murder. Yeah. Yeah. But then test audiences didn't like it. So the test audiences, they showed it and they had to reshoot it. And the reason why was because... And it's really, really 
fairly deeply entrenched in misogyny, is that they wanted the woman to kind of get shot and killed and for Michael Douglas to step in and save his family and for order to be restored. Sort of not really taking on Michael Douglas's character's complicity in the whole situation, what they wanted was the bad lady to be punished. Yeah. And the best way to punish her is for him to shoot her while she's trying to kill his family. Which just becomes a fairly idiotic story. Great thriller, but in terms of where we heap the blame, it's like, woof, thank goodness the lady's dead. <laughs> so they, they, and they really, they really fought hard she over that. She didn't want to do that reshoot. She, no. She like, refused. There was no. lawsuits. She was dragged to set. Yeah. She was dragged to set, put in a headlock. They That's said, right. That's right. Do, do the scene. They hobbled her, like yeah. in uh, misery. They broke both her ankles. Yeah. You don't know this, but yeah, yeah it took a long did. time to recover. Yeah. It's all on the Vanity Fair thing. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, the whole ending of that story is basically the restoration of the American happy yeah. family and, and the, the, the woman whose fault, and it was her fault because she was a psychopath. Yeah. Like, it really sort of takes all the moral weight off the Michael Douglas character. Yeah, and that scared you the most. Well, I didn't know back then that I was going to watch that interview on the... <laughs> In years ago. But it really frightened me. It really yeah. frightened me that there was this happy family that didn't know about this dark thing. That, so There were so many layers of deception that yeah. the father had had this affair and then he'd try to kind of end the affair and then it couldn't end because she was crazy and then she came after them and killed their pet. Like there were so many layers of that for a, mm. a young person to be frightened of. Yeah. I'd also only ever seen Glenn Close in The Natural uh, with Robert oh, Redford, yeah. where she plays... The, like, she's pure as the driven snow. And so I'd always thought, oh, Glenn Close. Like, and then when I saw, oh, there's that lady from The Natural. And then she's like a psychotic sexual maniac. Yeah, there's that thing with casting. It can really throw you as a kid when your favourite person or like someone who you've liked in another yeah. thing plays a baddie. That also is quite unsettling for a young mind, I think. Uh, was your dad... I'm not going to answer that question. Uh... <laughs> The answer is yes. Okay, good. <laughs> so your mum was doing, preparing you. What is the film that made you cry the most? I, can't, I genuinely can't remember what I answered. I thought about these. Do you know what? I'll tell you why I don't remember why, what I answered. It's because mm. I didn't want my answers to be performative. And I think over time you start having your bog standard answer to yeah. these things. And I actually wanted to think about it and go, no, don't give the answer that you're used to giving. Actually have a think. What did I say? You said Schindler's List. Yeah, Schindler's List fucking kills me. Mm. Why? Every time. Why? That's a joke. <laughs> 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 horrible pause after that yeah. joke. <laughs> really horrible long pause. Yeah. While everyone was like, okay, oh, it's a joke, it's a joke. <laughs> have you ever seen Jiminy Glick's interview with uh, Mel Brooks? Jiminy yeah. Glick's a character Martin Short does. Oh, yes, yes. Big, fat Hollywood reporter. Yeah. And he's interviewing Mel Brooks and he goes, so what's your beef with the Nazis? <laughs> <laughs> Mel Brooks is like, what's my beef with the Nazis? Schindler's List is very sad. Schindler's List and every time. And it's also just got that... Um, every time. You're watching it on rotation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven o'clock, kids. You know what, you know what time it is. Um, and the Not ending, and the, yeah, the ending when, when the mm. actors uh, come out with the with the people that they played in real life. And I, I've, I've seen it maybe six or seven times. Sort of, I saw it in the cinema when it first came out, and that that was also around the time I was a teenager. But I think that's also again that sort of in keeping with a, a, a time when you're growing up. It's really weird for for me with with my certainly with my daughter. I had to tell her about. The Holocaust, like she, she, she's alive and, and a young person and learning about the world. And then she asked about, there was a, something that we were watching. And then I actually had to tell her about this thing that happened. And this was a brain yeah. that hadn't known it yet. And she was going, really? This happened? I'm like, oh, yeah, this happened. So six million people, they, they, they were put in and they were gassed and because they were Jewish or they were gay or they were disabled, like it was, you know. And watching that, that brain kind of taking it on as a thing that actually happened historically. It's important for her to know and I, I hated yeah. telling her. Yeah. And I remember as a teenager starting, you know, studying history and starting to learn about things like that and then seeing it presented on film and connecting with it on a layer that wasn't just information, connecting with it in that very... the way it was filmed and the, the, just having that sort of connecting with a historical moment but in a way that was completely devastating. It still has that power. It's... Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, that really that really threw me. When I was, I remember it was about sixteen or seventeen when it came out, and uh, that was one of those moments in the cinema where, when the film ended, 
people were just sat. No one got up. Yeah. Everyone just sat there. They had to take a moment. Yep. And then the ashes came in and went, fucking please go. <laughs> That's I right. I have to yeah, clean I've got to. Go there's to, another lot yeah, of you miserable an- people coming in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> sit in exactly. stunned silence. Exactly, exactly. Um, that is a, a very good answer. Thank you very much. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hello, my neighbour Maureen. What's this I hear about you getting a promotion at the office? Didn't you just get promoted last month? It's all thanks to Canva. I've been nailing every meeting with AI-powered Canva presentations. Isn't that Canva's AI slide generator where you just describe your presentation in a few words and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides in seconds? That's right. And to top it off, I use Magic Write, Canva's AI text generator, to perfect my points. Sounds brilliant, Maureen. No more copying and pasting from other programs. No more app switching. Can Canva Docs with Magic Write generate any text you want for work? Yes. Sales proposals, marketing plans, yeah. Meeting agendas, ratings of all 12 Muppet movies using the extensive point system that I developed at age 12. Anyone can save time with Canva's AI-powered tools. Generate your draft fast with Canva Docs at canva.com, designed for work. Oh, thanks, my neighbour, Maureen. No, thank you. Uh, what is the film that is supposed to be bad? It's not critically acclaimed. Yeah. But you love it unashamedly. Oh, yeah, I love this one. Yeah. Because I, lo- I love telling people how much I like this film because of how angry it makes people. <laughs> I love Vanilla Sky. <laughs> I know. I know. And I, I, I never saw the original, which everyone says is better. I'm not interested. Don't give a shit. <laughs> Don't want to see the original one that's much better. Yeah. It violates pretty much every rule I have about films that I do and don't like. Like, I'm conf- like you're confused for the majority of that film, yeah. which is, I think, an unacceptable. I think it, you're not meant to be confused for that long. No. Um, and I think Hitchcock said that an audience in confusion is not an audience emoting. I think that's the that's might be I've slightly fucked that a little bit, but <laughs> but it's true. Like, if you're confused for too long, your brain gives up. Yeah. I don't really like Tom Cruise's movies that much, but I think he's fantastic in this film. And I don't mind that I don't know what's going on. And I think it's just be- I, I, but I do now because I've seen it many times and I understand the plot now. Um, but I remember thinking, I've been confused for a good 90 <laughs> minutes and I'm still, I'm still into it. Yeah. I'm still with them. I, I want to know. And I, I, it's really memorable. I think Cameron Crowe is really good at curating fantastic songs. Like he always picks yeah. fantastic songs. So there's all these great songs there's like, that I still associate. Like I think there's the Salisbury Hill is, is one of them. There's uh, Todd Rundgren, Can We Still Be Friends. These really great kind of yacht rock kind of songs. Again, I'm not that wild about yacht rock. And then he's got a yacht rock soundtrack. I'm like, great. And I think everyone's performed. I think Cameron Diaz is just amazing yeah. in it. I like her anyway. But I think she's fantastic. I just really – it's a film that I'm – I don't hate it. No? No. I, w- I watched it I w- – because you answered that. I had a little look again this morning. Yeah. And it's one of the few films – I love Tom Cruise. I think he's yeah. one of the greats. Yeah. But what I will say is I don't know that he's much of a, a lover. And uh, <laughs> and the way – you what know what we were talking about? I, being like, I don't care is the way to yeah. do well. He's working too he, hard. He, the way that he will do a looking at a woman for a kissing scene yeah. is the same way he'll do running up a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> and it's sort of yeah. like he'll go into yeah. there. Yeah. I would be terrified. I would yeah. be like, please don't. No. <laughs> please, don't, please don't follow this through. Yeah. And then. Yeah. I completely agree. I yeah. think waking up with really him looking across at you. Yeah. You're like, just, just go for your run, Tom. Yeah. Go for your run. Yeah. I just try not to be... And I'm, a, like, I'm yeah. too intense, and I know I'm too intense. <laughs> so I try to dial it down as much as possible, yes. and I hide it. But I don't think he hides it. I think for him, that's his USP. Yeah. It's like, I'm a very intense... But he so, makes good films. He does but make good films. But that's it. You go, that level of intensity, great. Jump on a plane, hang off the side. That's the level of intensity you yeah. need to be hanging off a side. Yeah. It is not the level of intensity you need to hold a woman's face. <laughs> no. That's so true. Yeah. That's so true. It's like he's doing another stunt and it could, everyone could die. Yeah. <laughs> what is the film you loved years ago? You used to love it. 
but don't hold up any more for you. I'm pretty sure I just answered. Was it Manhattan? Yeah, you yeah, did. Yeah, Manhattan. Manhattan is just gross fest. <sighs> yeah. It's really troublesome. And also, I think also the relationship that Woody Allen had with... Because you hate black and white. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's troubling. Can't, I really, I just... For me, a, a movie needs to be about 90 minutes long and in colour. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. anything else that happens on yeah. top of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that's, no. Uh, that's a really... I mean, a lot of Woody Allen stuff. It's really... I have a very difficult sort of... Because Annie Hall is still one of my favourite films. Annie Hall changed my life and the way I felt about comedy and what I thought you could do with comedy. Like, I think that for most people who are into comedy, that's, it's just such a... It is a classic for all the right reasons. So it's very difficult relating to his work when it has meant something to you. But, I mean, Manhattan is uh, just hiding in plain sight. That's not yeah. even... That's not even... Well, he might be troublesome off screen, but on screen, that, like, that is just a, a pretty gross movie about his relationship with a barely, barely adult. She's a child. And also, he knew her parents in real life. There was this kind of, you know... That whole thing is weird. And, they, yeah. they, and they, all of it is depressing. And the ending of Manhattan is one of my favourite endings to the film. And then now you just go like, oh, fuck, why did you... Why? I mean, of all the things... Is that LB you've got to lighten up? Or is that Annie Hall? That's Annie Hall. That's Annie, you got to lighten up. They're all good you endings. What a great ending! What you got to lighten up. Great ending. That's and then I'm like, when I saw that, I was like, oh yeah, you got to lighten up. That's that's it, isn't it? You got to yeah. lighten up. It's such a fantastic ending, brilliant ending. But yeah, uh, Manhattan. I can't watch it now. I don't find it funny or cute or amusing. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a quirk. And it's not quirky for a man of his age to have had the. Yeah. That's a. That That's is a cool card room by a cool guy. <laughs> yeah, there's some guy out there and he's so fucking cool. And he's just like... That's Tom Cruise going past, going... They talking about me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, this... this and, and I, and, but the problem with Manhattan is also I love Gershwin. Like I, and it's got the Gershwin yeah. soundtrack. So, yeah, it's got all these things about it that... Uh, yeah, but I, I can't watch it now with any level of comfort. I think that's totally fair. What's the film that has the most meaning for you? Not necessarily the film itself is any good, but the experience you had around seeing the film that will always make it special to you, Sarah Kendall. Which was? What was it? I mean, <laughs> it was the Pink Panther Strikes again, but I can't tell you the experience. Yeah, uh, that's a shame. Because <laughs> it was you. You didn't tell me there was homework involved in the show. <laughs> Do you know what? The reason why I had to go back and rethink this was because I had a memory that turns out was not a memory. What was it? I thought, okay, so I was going to say the end of, no, the start of The Spy Who Loved Me. Yes. Because of when uh, Roger Moore goes off the edge of the cliff and then the Union Jack flag opens up and then you get the the theme tune kicks in. Uh, And I had a memory that turns out I had rewritten in my head that couldn't possibly have been accurate. I thought that the cinema broke into a round of applause when that happened and then I looked at the year on it and I couldn't possibly have been in the cinema when that movie came out and what I remembered was that I was in a pub talking to someone and that was on the TV and I said oh, my dad loves this movie and then everyone in the pub started watching the opening and then everyone in the pub gave it a round of applause just like drunk people giving a round of applause to oh, watch that's even better I know it's yeah but then I had I had I had fused the memory of being at the cinema with my dad with a round mm. of applause like I'd just rewritten the memory and then I'd gone oh that never happened what did I, so what did I answer? Oh, you, Pink Panther. You said the Pink Panther strikes again, but I don't know what happened. Oh, that's just and watching it, it with real. my dad. That's just watching it with my... That's uh, such a... Yeah. And, and I still find all of the, 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 the Peter Sellers, uh, the, the Clouseau... They just... Just because of how much my dad loved it. My dad would just... He would laugh so hard and it became this collective hysteria that it, I was catching his laughter. I mean, it's yeah. really funny on its own and... You know, I, I still love it. The opening with, I think it's, I can't remember because I've seen all of them too many times, but the one that starts with Herbert Lom in the psychiatric asylum and it starts with uh, Clouseau going to visit him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is so goddamn, it is just so funny. It, it, and my, watching it with my dad is 50% of that joy. So, um, yeah, so genuinely, it's going to hurt my heart, that answer. Okay. Um, here we go. Look, look, I mean, the problem is if you make me say, just look me in the eyes. What is the film that you found the sexiest? Now look away. Oh. I mean, do you remember? No. It's, I'll tell you what I think of your answer. What? This is an answer of someone in front of an audience. 
The answer is brief encounter. Come on. <laughs> Come on. That's is sexy. It? Oh, I've got something in my eye. Because oh. they never did it. No? No. But the very idea, disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> there was something very sexy about how forbidden it was and how everything was not allowed and everything that they were doing was so... I think that's really sexy. Yeah. I think when you're actually watching two people at it, it's a bit... Ugh. Like, yeah. I never watch a sex... Like, if I, like, I want to watch sex, I'll watch a porno. But if I watch sex and yeah. people having sex, I, genu- I, I often find myself going, oh, yeah, yeah. that's a lot That's a lot to take on. <laughs> body heat, for example. A lot of people are like, yeah. ooh, body heat. I just get so embarrassed for everyone. I'm yeah. like, oh, my Lord. So I find what I can't see and what's, what's, what's withheld, yeah. I find that a lot sexier as opposed to watching actual fucking, which is a totally different... Have you seen Brief Encounter in the audience? <laughs> Is fucking so. The ending of it yeah. is horrific. Yeah, it's devastating. <laughs> horrific Absolutely ending. devastating. Yeah, uh, incre- just it's a it's it's post World War Two Britain really depressing landscape. Black. It's David Lean. It's a David Lean film, and it's a, a married man and a married woman meet in a train station and they keep meeting up and they fall in love, and they decide they're going to meet and have sex. He says, "I've got this friend who has a, a an apartment." You imagine this is like. Post World War Two Britain for 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 him to actually say we can go somewhere and have sex and her to go okay like just not just would not happen right and they go to the apartment of of of, of this friend and then the friend unexpectedly comes back and she has to run down the fire escape and she's so ashamed she is so embarrassed and she feels degraded and he runs downstairs and he says I'm so sorry look we can come here another time and she says I can't do this like. The way I feel right now, I can't do this. I can't do it to my husband and my kids. I just can't do this. And so he goes, so that's it. She's like, yeah, I just can't. And so he takes a job in South Africa, I think, is the way he's kind of removed from the scene. And then they just have to say goodbye. He just says goodbye to her at a train station. No, but they get interrupted. That's the worst bit. By the woman. Yeah. The way they speak. And there's movies like that. Hello. Hello. Did anyone... Was anyone alive back in the day... Did real people talk like that? I think about that a lot. If you're walking around, was everyone like, hello? Hello. Oh, it's terribly nice. Yeah. Did everyone actually speak? Very staccato. But I love it because... uh, Hello, welcome to Sainsbury's. Was it? Yeah. (laughs) I try try really hard to do it because I I love it. It's my favourite accent. I love asking people to do it. Like, uh, my cheek brushes his. The little curls bouncing on the back of his head. Really good. He's so happy. So happy. I never said happy. You do know what's happened, don't you? We've fallen in love. They're so fast. They talk so fast. But they were so buttoned up and constricted and and in the context of where Britain was post-World War II, like they were just so... There there weren't any nice things. You know, everything was rationed and... And then this, this, this love that kind of sprang up between them and then it never happened. They just had to say goodbye and as they're saying goodbye, this incredibly irritating woman joins them She's like, hello, I've just been to Sainsbury's. Um, yeah. And then they have meat. to say goodbye really politely in front of each other and then they're never going to see each other again. And uh, interestingly, The Apartment, uh, the Billy Wilder film, he wrote that having seen A Brief Encounter and he's like, who's this best friend who has an apartment they're going to go and have sex in? Well, these, they've got a friend who's going, take my keys... <laughs> And you can use my apartment to have sex in it. <laughs> and then he wrote the apartment. So, he, yeah, you thought, oh, that's an interesting character. That's yeah. a guy who just gives his keys out for people to have illicit sex in. <laughs> I love that. I love the genesis yeah, of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. The, um, yeah, what you've described in Brief Encounter does sound fucking fit. Uh, <laughs> what is... <laughs> there's a... Uh, <laughs> there's a... I mean, uh, there's a subcategory. Yeah. Someone on uh, uh, Twitter or something the other day, I oh know on the actual on the podcast at the bottom, I've asked people to like leave reviews, but don't leave a review. Tell me what, tell me about a film you like, whatever. And someone wrote the other day, I couldn't fault it. They said my favourite thing on the podcast is when Brett is uncomfortable to ask the sexiest film question and acts as if someone else has written it and he has to read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's this? Um, <laughs> Right. I'll, do, I'll say it. Uh, what's the, uh, the subcategory? Troubling boners, worrying wide ons. Yeah. 
the film you found arousing, you probably shouldn't have. I, I you had no answer. No, I don't. I haven't got, got a no film. shame. Well, there's nothing... That, there, there isn't a film that I go, well, that's worrying. Mm. Like, I just go... I, like, I, I, if, I, if something... If, it's, if, I, if I do find it, like, a, a turn-on, I can't think of anything that springs to mind where I go, oh, shouldn't have, though. That's bad. Is that, I don't know if that means I'm a narcissist. Does I that mean it, I'm a no, narcissist? No, I think it means you've got a very healthy... Um, well, what, can you give me an example? Because like, I feel like someone's going like, to... I feel like it's a gag question for a gag answer. No, what it is is me hunting, hunting pedos. Uh, <laughs> and that's all I'm doing. I'm doing the Lord's work. Yeah. And all, you have to, all anyone has to say is there in black... All anyone has to say is the little mermaid. And we go, ha, 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 and we move on. Yeah. But if someone goes, I don't know, I go, pedo. Okay, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember thinking Blue... Like, I thought Blue Lagoon was, oh, but then I was age-appropriate when I saw it. I was mm. like a young... I was like a preteen. Yeah. Like, that's absolutely right for a pre... Like, if I was an adult watching Blue Lagoon going, <laughs> that's worrying. Yeah. But for that age group, what's worrying is that a lot of adults went to see Blue yeah. Lagoon. Yeah. But that's it. I mean, no, I can't think of anything that I go, oh, I should never have felt that. Okay. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah? I think so. <laughs> What's an example of something that someone else has said? <sighs> Jessica Rabbit. No, I don't find that sexy. Not into that? No. Okay. Feels like a gag answer, though. I don't think they're being genuine. No, they probably are a pedo, but at least they're going... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> at least yeah. they're going... Oh, They've made an effort. Yeah. Go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is the film you most relate to? I don't know. What did I say? You said you said a lot of John Hughes, and then you picked specifically Sixteen Candles. Yeah, a lot of John Hughes. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, a lot of John Hughes. Oh yeah, a lot of John Hughes. Because <laughs> when I was when I was a teenager, a lot of a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about is when I was a teenager, which is interesting. But as a teenager, I, I felt like that was the first time I, I was seeing stuff that felt representative of, like not quite fitting in and it being okay or it being funny or feeling a bit different. Like 16 Candles, which I think is actually a bit racist. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there's, like, there is the wacky Chinese exchange student. Yeah. So that's, you know, it hasn't, not all it, is, it has aged brilliantly. But, like, the Molly Ringwald character in that, even though she had this, the ending to that film is ridiculous. With, you know, if, has anyone seen, I'm now talking about, like, everyone's seen 16 Candles, Jake Ryan. Oh, my God, you like Jake Ryan? So she likes... <laughs> Jake Ryan, who's the most handsome, and he's about 40, by the way. The actor who plays <laughs> Jake Ryan. It is ridiculous. Michael Scherfling was his name. Didn't go on to stay in show business. I think he makes furniture now. Oh. Anyway. Um, Imagine buying a safe off him. From Michael Scherfling. Yeah. I'd be like, what? <laughs> he was also in Mermaids. I love... I. In Love, Mermaids. Yeah, Mermaids is a great film. Great yeah, film. Yeah. But I loved in Sixteen Candles that she wasn't, like, the most popular. And even though she was a very, like, she's a very beautiful actress. But they made out like she kind of was the odd bod mm. who didn't quite fit in. And, and these wonderful things happened to her in the film. I think there might also be a questionable, almost Rufy-style incident in the film that's played as comedy. Yeah. That's the other problem with these, these films. A lot of the stuff hasn't aged. Like, like even Breakfast Club. You know? oh, yeah, it's got a terrible bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Molly Ringwald has, has spoken about that yeah. like, and how you know there is problematic stuff in there. But I think for me seeing Sixteen Candles and seeing a, a character who didn't quite fit in but that was a really – that's what made her so likeable and what made her a strong character. I think for teenage me that was a really exciting thing to see and she wasn't blonde, you know, she had dyed red hair. But, yeah, I, I, I remember kind of feeling that maybe good things could happen. I like that. Yeah. It's very nice. Thanks. And they did. Wonderful things have happened to me. And they did. They did. And they did. What is the film, objectively, that you think is the greatest film of all time? Objectively, the pinnacle of cinema. Might not be your favourite. It's the greatest. You know it because it's objectively (laughs) the greatest. I think I might have answered Tootsie. You did. Yeah, I did. I did. And that's not like a controversial what? Because I think that that is constantly like at the top of the greatest comedies ever written and, you know. Uh, And we were talking about this earlier. I'm not sure how that has aged in terms of if it's trans, how it is towards trans rights. I don't know if if there are people I watched it last night. Okay. To check it out. Yeah. I'm no expert. No, we're not experts because we're not trans. I was surprised how 
nuanced it was. It isn't like played. It's not a joke. He's not like a joke woman. No. He's not like, oh, I'm a joke. Mm. Like it's taken quite seriously. It's feminine. He discovers his feminine side. Yeah. I think the one thing that maybe has dated is that basically it is a film about a man who takes jobs from women and then mansplains to them how hard their lives are. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. That's yeah. the bit yeah. that was a bit dodgy. Oh, now I understand it's a bit hard for you. Yeah. Yes, shithead. You yeah. should all fight back. You can't because I've got your job, but yeah. you should... Yeah. If you had my job... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That is for... In, in, Again, this is another context thing. Uh, when I uh, used to, my grandmother only had three VHS videos at her house, uh, or, and one of them was Tootsie. Yeah. And so I would, uh, and it was back in the day, like when I was uh, when I was growing up, we only had two channels where I grew up, and I would spend a lot of time at my grandma's house, and I'd often just watch Tootsie. It was the only thing to, and I loved it. I loved it so much. I thought it was so funny. Yeah. So I've seen it maybe thirty times wow. in, in my life, and I. Every time I go back to it, I, I, I can't get over how, how good every line in that film is, every character, every beat of the story. It's just, and, and when you see the people who did the rewrites, I mean, I think Barry Levinson did a pass oh, on wow. it. Elaine May did a pass Gee. on it. Uh, Larry Galbart is, I think, he's credited as, as and Larry Galbart devised MASH, and he, he, was, always, he, he was also part of I think, Sid, the Sid Caesar right. Group, so he was in with Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner and all those guys. So Larry Gilbert writes it, but you've got the great comedy minds coming in and doing a joke pass on it. I mean, yeah. getting getting Elaine May to do a joke pass on your script, but I just I I, I think there's so it is such a perfect comedy. It's got so much heart. It's a it's a good love story, and there's certain stuff that they get away with, like the whole jeopardy of the of the final scene where where Dustin Hoffman is improvising live on television. Yeah, and when you see the film again and again, how much heavy lifting they put into the idea that they're going to be live to wear. Yeah, and you see this kind of oh blah blah's been drinking around the the <laughs> the editing equipment again. We might have to go live, you know, and they put it in through the script. And then this one of the actors who can't possibly do a live recording, like they keep on saying, "Oh no, no, I can't, I can't do a live recording." And then, when when Dustin Hoffman does the final scene where he's improvising live on television, how carefully they've planted that idea through the script, mm. and then your brain buys that that could ha- that that could possibly happen because it is it's a script fudge. There are certain things. But you know when you're writing a script where you go, I'm just going to have to fudge that bit. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but it's a little plot thing I'm going to have to get people over the line with. Yeah. It's quite unbelievable that they would have to have done that scene live, but they needed that to happen. The part I think is unbelievable is that it's the end of his job. If you've seen Tipsy, yeah. he takes off his thing and goes, I'm your brother or something. Yeah. And then I'm like, yeah, you'd want to keep watching that. Yeah. yeah Why yeah. has he lost his job? That's right. a great twist in the soap. Right. He's yeah. now the brother. Great, thanks for the writing. You're yeah. doing another year. Yes, but then then we have to. Yes, uh, yeah. Actually, that would have made it. It is interesting that he then loses everything yeah. at that point where it really should have. That's a really good point. Wow. And I thought that all those scriptwriters knew what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, I mean, this isn't funny. I found it interesting. I saw an um, interview with Dustin Hoffman a couple of years ago. Something. I know the one you're about to mention. Where he starts crying because he's talking about <laughs> Tootsie, talking about making Tootsie, and he said. I learned so much doing that. I was devastated because I was an ugly woman. And he said, I was surprised. I thought I'd be fit. And he said, and when I put on all the stuff, I was ugly. And he said, and you notice how few people talked to me and were interested in me. And I realized all the women that might have been amazing in my life that I'd ignored because they were ugly like I am as a woman. I saw that. Yeah. And I, my, first, my first thought was, he's just trying to get more pussy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, the guy's a fucking genius. So, like, I just went, oh, what, it never person. occurred to you. Not once. It never occurred to you once that an unattractive woman might have something interesting to say yeah. until you became an ugly woman. <laughs> Fuck off, mate. I just didn't buy it. I'm like, you're a very bright man and you're being very manipulative right now. But also, if he's doing it for, as your word, pussy, then... I'm, if I'm that woman and he starts chatting to me, I'm like, oh, am I ugly then? Is this why you're now... <laughs> yeah. But also, I know the clip you mean. It was when it was the AFI when he was being yeah. into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And he starts crying in the middle of this speech. And I was just like, nah, mate. <laughs> nah. 
this is just, it was so calculated. I get it. Like I'm sure there was some kind of like yeah. realization there, but you'd have to have zero humanity and zero <laughs> brains for that to be the first person it had occurred to you that maybe it's not like yeah. only hot women have got something interesting to say. <laughs> oh, what really? You yeah, and he it? was quite old at that, but he'd been around he's a like while. Seventy, just not talking to unattractive <laughs> women for but, uh, so many yeah. years. I love the way he told the story though, because he said he did the makeup test. And they, did, they put him in the full Dorothy Michaels outfit. And he went, yeah, that's really good, but uh, I want to be prettier. And the uh. hair and makeup team were like... <laughs> <laughs> and the way he described it was they said to him, that's your lot, Charlie. <laughs> this is the best we've got with the current technology we have <laughs> with makeup and wigs. Uh. And how, how, uh, how stunned he was when, when... But there's so many great lines in that. You know, like when the, in, in Tootsie when... The director says, I want to make her look a little prettier. How far can you move back? Cameron <laughs> yeah. says, how do you feel about Cleveland? <laughs> all these, like, yeah. yeah, it's pretty funny. It's good stuff. It's great stuff. What's a film you could or have watched the most over and over again? Well, my first answer to that was, was again, be, it was going to be Tootsie again because that's the one I have seen the most. But what yeah. did I say? You said Goodfellas or Aliens. Yeah, I can watch. I, honestly, I, I remember getting in from a gig uh, years ago and it was 2am, I'd done a preview I'd done a one hour preview and driven back from like, I'd, it was out and I thought I'm just going to have a snack and go to bed and Goodfellas was, Goodfellas was on and I thought I'll just watch five yeah. minutes and the next thing I knew it was like 3am, I watched the whole thing I cannot sit down at any point in Goodfellas and get up and leave the room. You know Nish Kumar and I have pitched a show to Channel 5 yeah. called Good Luck what, Not Watching Goodfellas <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah. You sit anyone down, yeah. they, they're given a task. Oh, Jesus. And then you put Goodfellas on at any point and it's go, incredible. good luck. It's incredible. <laughs> and they win a million if they walk away. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. It's a good, it's a good game show, isn't it? The amount of times I've, and I've, I've been Endemo so interested. tired. <laughs> I bet they yeah. No, it doesn't matter how tired I am and it doesn't matter what point in the film it is. I can just... It's just and I, I'm not sure if this is uh, apocryphal, but I, someone told me that... When Goodfellas came out, it was around the time so MTV had really changed the way films... Like, films were having to get snappier and faster and camera... Like, just the length of shot was getting shorter and shorter because of the way music videos were Mm. increasing the pace of images that people were expecting per minute, basically. And the studio had said to Scorsese something along the lines of, uh, you know, we need it to to be faster paced. We need the work to be faster paced. And he said, I'll show you fast. Now, I don't know if that's a true story, but he basically just... Uh, ju- and it, the film just fucking flies. Yeah. It's incredible. It is incredible. And, and, again, great soundtrack. Like, you can pinpoint each piece of music for where it's used in the, in the you know... Like, Layla, the way he used Layla yeah. was just so great. And the comedy in it's fantastic. He's such fucking a... funny. The guy, the wig guy yeah. with the ad. You know, they cut to his ad for wigs and him jumping in and out of the pool... <laughs> In the middle of this gangster film. It's like a little comedy bit. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's great. I'm going to uh, wrap up this section. Yeah. Uh, you've been absolutely wonderful. Thanks. So much so we'll do a part two. Uh, <laughs> however, when you uh, went abseiling and you were like, I am not doing this. And then everyone was like, do it. And you went, oh, I'll do it. But I, if I'm doing it, I'm doing it like the best because I care too much, and then you, you arrived and everyone said, we hear you care a lot, and you went, do I? I don't give a shit. Yeah. And, um, and, but you were intense, you had like Tom Cruise eyes <laughs> about it, and they were like, something's off. Yeah. And you checked everything three times, you checked the yeah. caribou yeah. knot, which you knew about weirdly. And then, caribou lock. Caribou lock, yeah. yeah. It's, the one that, it's, yeah. Goes, it's like a, a lever that goes like that, you know, like goes inwards like that. Yeah, you'd done your research, yeah. and you were... You, well, I you, don't want to die. You don't want to die, and you checked it three times, and then you started abseiling, and then... The caribou lock that you'd got on eBay, it turned out, was old and it <laughs> broke. Yeah. And you fell yeah. a long, long, long way, yeah. but you did not die. <laughs> and it was hor- horrible. I you was were in a lot of pain for a long a time. A lot of pain. Took you to hospital. Yeah. I was on the group thread. Everyone was like, she's, fi- she's a fighter. She's a fighter. She'll oh, be, she's she's a coming fighter. back. We'll see her gigging soon. Mm. And then suddenly... Emma, it's <laughs> so dark. Yeah. And you, you, you slowly again, slowly died of yeah, that. Yeah, it didn't take me out quickly. No, no, no. Yeah. I'd say it was six months of a sort of withering and then you were dead. And it was not a good six months. No, not, no, 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 no. no. And very little joy. Each day was harder than the last. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People, stopped, people stopped visiting because it was bleak. Yeah. And then 
Anyway, you 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 died. People had, that I looked on that our text thread and I was like, no one's messaged on here in ages. No, no. And, it, it was just yeah. has left the chat. Has yeah. left the chat. <laughs> has left the chat one by one. Yeah. Yeah. I started sending funny memes just to spice to, it up uh, a bit. To yourself, anyway. Yeah. I started wondering, well, what has happened to Sarah Kendall? We were going to do a part two. Mm. I walked by the hospital. There you are. You'd, yeah. Not only had your friends abandoned you, but so had the medical staff. Yeah. And they'd forgotten they you were, were like, there. Not only is she dying, she's a real downer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're covered in cobwebs and shit. Things had been eating at you. Mm. It was real, like, 28 days later. And when people complain about, you know, it's like, you had your own room. Yeah. Interestingly, though, yeah. Uh, with Golden Staff, if things were eating at me, they might have been eating the necrotic flesh, hence saving my life. But go yeah, on. Yeah, but, but it wasn't that. But um, <laughs> anyway, you're a fucking... I'm walking along with my coffin, you know what I'm like. And uh, I see you, I'm like, oh, Jesus, you, it's all over the walls. It's spread. Yeah. You've spread. Yeah. And so I have to scoop you up with a spatula and a knife. I have to chop you up. Yeah, I mean, sorry, but it's the truth. And I have to... Put, I put you in this coffin, yep. smash you in. This coffin is rammed. Yep. There's so much more than I was expecting. There is only enough room in the coffin to slide one DVD yep. in the side with you yep. for you to take across to the other side. And on the other side, it's movie night every night. One night, it's your movie night. What film are you taking to show everyone in heaven when it's your movie night? Sarah Kendall, go! Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? I fucking love it. Yeah. Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Absolutely. Yes. I mean, some people... It's a walkout. She hates the fish. She hates it. <laughs> She was pro Manhattan, but she's leaving us. <laughs> um, I love that film. Yeah, love that. that, that, that I, I, I remember yeah. uh, that was a, a text that I did in uh, uh, high school. I was uh, 17. Yeah. And uh, we were sort of instructed to get the, go to the video store and rent it out if you could and, and, and watch it. This is, this is showing age. This is, you know, and that's how we used to do things back in those days. And I got the movie and I got the VHS and I watched it. And for me, that was the absolute awakening in me that I wanted to work in script or film or anything. I was so electrified. I was yeah. so thrilled. And, the, and I, I was confused for bits, but in a good way. Like when, when you're not sure about their son and you're like, something's going on with their son. What's going on with their son? And their performances were so visceral and their fights and the funny and... I just and I watched it and I, I just I went back and watched it again. I, I watched it again and again and again, and it was I, I felt like that's when everything it was uh, something just ignited. Mm. I just knew that that's what I wanted to do with my life. Anything anything to do with that, be it acting or writing or I didn't want to be a director because the hours are too long, and I knew that back then. <laughs> but I just I thought I just want to be a part of that, and the way it's making me. feel feel watching yeah. this weightlessness and I don't think any of the like Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor I don't think they ever did anything as good before or after yeah. it was just this piece of work that was you thought I just want to be part of that kind of marriage I want to be in a marriage <laughs> like that that's the kind of marriage I want um, but also but also yes. uh, that you know like what you get interested in um it becomes like a it always leads to something um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a, a sort of like a food chain. Yeah. So I sort of went, so who directed this? It was Mike Nichols. And then I was like, oh, Mike Nichols, I, the graduate, and Mike Nichols, working girl, yeah, and yeah. Mike Nichols, postcards from the edge. Like it sets you off on another person's work. And then I got really interested in Mike Nichols and, and then his double act with Elaine May. Like that then started to get me interested in their comedy and, and the improv that they did. Like everything led to something that interested me more. Mm-hmm. And I love, I love uh, pretty much all. I can't think of many of Mike Nichols's films that I don't love. Yeah. But you sort of Wolf, you, uh, <laughs> Catch Twenty Two. Mm. I mm. like it. You like Catch Twenty Two? Mm. I didn't mind it. I don't hate it. No, exactly. Okay. But it could have been. It yeah, felt like it could have been the greatest. Yeah, and it yeah. wasn't. But I do. I, I, I just kind of felt like Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf then led me to being interested in his work, and that has really affected the kind of comedy that I try to write. I think. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, please, she, uh, you've been more wonderful than I could ever have dreamt. Really? Will you do a round of applause? Did you say that to everyone? So that was the eighth live episode. Thank you so much to Sarah for being so excellent. Thanks to... Thanks to... Thanks to Ben Williams and Naomi Parno and the whole Underbelly crew here today. 
Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to Acast for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics. Lisa Lydon for the photography. And most of all, thank you all for being here today. It does mean a lot. Have a lovely week and please be excellent to each other. Hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.